the critic guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Critic Guys podcast, episode three. My name's Chris Davis. I'm joined by Mr. Keith Edwards and Mr. Lawrence Tuck. How are you, gentlemen? Very well, thank you. Fine. (laughs) Fine. Understated as always, Lawrence. Lawrence, who was described by one of our listeners as funny, which I think was discussing the fact that you were amusing, but mm, could be a number of things. Jury's still out. (laughs) I will still use it as a quote on my next poster. I will wish you would. That would be brilliant. Lawrence Tuck is dot, 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 quote, funny. <laughs> that would be really good. <laughs> we're, we're all making statements uh, about films and programs that we uh, like or dislike, which we are going to defend, and probably the others are going to rip apart. We've all come prepared. We have an idea of what the others are going to say, or at least what they're going to talk about. We might not know everything they're going to say. And... I'm going to lead us off, because I believe mine might be the least controversial, but we shall see. I'm going to defend the movie Green Lantern, because I feel that it is underrated and is a good movie. Certainly a good superhero movie. And the uh, consensus opinion, if you go on the old interwebs, uh, seems to be that Green Lantern was a train wreck, and that the fact that its box office wasn't as good as it should have been meant we didn't get a sequel. Ryan Reynolds apparently hates the film, and if you've seen Deadpool, then you know he hates the film. And for the life of me, I don't really see why. I understand that Ryan Reynolds had issues with the director. I know that he wasn't particularly happy filming it. And I don't think it's necessarily Ryan Reynolds' best work. He's a bit understated in the film. But as a fan of Green Lantern, I don't know what more people were expecting from a Green Lantern film. I think it's pretty true to the comics. It makes a few changes, but nothing major. And I struggle to understand what people are going to expect to be different in a new Green Lantern film. It, for me, it, the danger is if you remake it, you're going to make a film that isn't really representative representative of the character. But I watched it again yesterday. I uh, watched the extended cut. Quite frankly, it didn't really need an extended cut. You got a bit of a flashback from the start, which they cover anyway. But it's... I, I thought it was a thoroughly enjoyable movie. It's a typical superhero film. You've got the hero who discovers that... Uh, who gets granted powers, which he has to learn to deal with. He's not ready for them. He's shunned by the new organization he joins, the Guardians, uh, sorry, the Green Lantern Corps. He's treated as a a weak human, uh, undeserving of his new power ring. But in in typical superhero superhero origin story form, you get a villain that's built up, you'll get a creature they've got to overcome. Meanwhile, the character is, the, the lead is 
learning his craft, dealing with his responsibilities, and lo and behold, he gets control of everything and manages to fight the big bad. Pretty standard fare. I think the film's funny. It's got a good cast. It's not the most... It's it's certainly not top-tier superhero film. There are issues with some of the plot, but I thought the action scenes were good. It's well it's it's well scripted. The the casting is really impressive. Mark Strong, I love as Sinestro. Uh Ryan Reynolds to say slightly understated but still has his Ryan Reynolds moments. I love when he's showing his friend, uh played by Taika Watiti, the the ring and he gives him the finger. I think that's brilliant. And the just for me, the the love of the source material is there. But for the life of me, I don't quite understand why people don't like it as much. What are your views on the film, gents? Well, I we, we all went to see it together, didn't we? The uh, we did the cinema, and I, we did. I hadn't seen it since. So I, I I brushed up on it a bit last night, watching some extended scenes on, on YouTube. I, uh, what were these scenes called? Uh, we we had a brief chat about this earlier. Keith pointed out were these called like Green Lantern is a load of rubbish. No, they were they were just um they were it was Russian for some reason <laughs> had Russian <laughs> Russian bits there, and uh, it was um it was it were quite long scenes. And I watched three or four of them. So, I mean. What you say about Ryan Reynolds disliking it is, is is quite interesting because I mean I don't know if he's seen Blade Three. I have seen Blade Three. Yeah. No, I don't know if he's seen it. Oh, well, he's seen it. Oh, right. Yeah. Because then, <laughs> then he might know what a bad Ryan Reynolds film looks like. <laughs> um, I I should come out and say I love Ryan Reynolds. I think he's great. I normally think the guy's a top bloke and that his I love his, what he puts out there. But I don't understand why he wouldn't be proud of this one it's it's a strange one for me it's um you mentioned the director of it and i did some research it's directed by martin campbell of course we're all familiar with martin campbell i wasn't i have to admit uh directed golden eye oh, right. wow. casino royale oh he also directed riley ace of spies i've never even heard of that one which uh i know keith is familiar with it it's, it's an amazing spy series starring Sam Neill. Almost got Sam Neill the Bond role. It did. It was about it was about a real guy who um was supposedly what Bond was sort of based on loosely. Like a gentleman spy back in the days of the First World War kind of era. With everything you're saying that he's directed and gone on to direct after Green Lantern. Why? Because I presume I remember rightly, Casino Royals after that, was it? No, it was, was not. Before? Before. Was it before? Wow, God, that film feels far more recent to me than it than that. <laughs> um, I suppose, yeah, you've had Quantum of Solace and Skyfall and the Spectre, and that. yeah, I suppose it's got to be. He doesn't seem like a good fit for a Green Lantern film. It's not a natural fit there, as in terms of his pedigree. He's also di- he's directed a few other more outlandish things. Okay, um, movie wise. But they, they, a lot of it hasn't been very good. Right. I was also going to say he's directed a, a TV series called Edge of Darkness, which is probably what brought him to prominence in the first place. And uh, apart from Bob Peck being amazing in it, it is a big pile of doo-doo <laughs> as a TV series. 
But we like Bob Peck. But we love Bob Peck, so that was fine. Can I just check something? Is is, is this a repeat of episode one? Keith, are you cooking? Not at all. Were you pouring a drink? I was pouring a drink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it was either... You're a very sensitive, Mike. <laughs> It was either pouring a drink or Keith was having a rectal prolapse. Yeah. <laughs> I was pouring a drink. Fine. I'm glad we clarified that. I'm glad that once again we've got onto this topic in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> we'll always get to it, Keith. We'll never forget. This, I mean, um, this is just between us three, right? I mean, it's not like it's going to go out to the world. <laughs> well, you have one chance to make a first impression, and that was yours. Well, um, well. <laughs> Uh, one of the criticisms that people seem to always bring up is about the suit in Green Lantern and the fact that the suit was digitised. I've never had a problem with that because the suit is created by his ring. It's not like it, he doesn't put a suit on and then wear the ring. He put The ring makes the suit. So why would digitalization be a problem? I think it didn't help that the initial press material had him in a proper suit. Uh, that was a proper, you know, with material and everything. It wasn't, it wasn't digitized at all. Oh, but no, okay. like, like you, I've never had a problem with it. Uh, it's a construct in many ways, like the, everything else he makes. It mm. is the suit. I, I, I do love one of the my favorite scenes in the film is um, he he's on a balcony with Carol Farris. And he shows up as Green Lantern and he speaks with a Green Lantern voice and he's got the mask on. And it's slightly silly in that she doesn't call him on it straight away. But a few seconds into it, she goes, how? How? <laughs> and, and he's shocked as if, like, why would you recognize that? I've seen, I, I know you. I've seen you naked. <laughs> and it, it is. It's the super, it's the Clark Kent Superman scenario. And it's just brilliant because, like, yeah, everyone who knows Hal Jordan should know that's Hal Jordan. It's not that much of a cover. So I like the fact that they actually address that. I thought it was like, yeah, hands up. We're not trying to pretend that you can't, you no one can take this in. So I, I, I made three other notes about uh, about it. Firstly, I got the whole fact that uh, overcoming his fear was one of the major themes of the film. Yes. And that was largely because, uh, certainly during the uh, the scenes that I watched, it was mentioned every other line <laughs> yeah it, it, yeah fear so, is mentioned a lot i thought that 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 was a bit full-on a bit they, they slathered that on a bit too thick <laughs> they might do um then there was mark strong <laughs> as uh sinestro who was who was great because mark strong is always great mm. even when not he, enough of him even even when he's warning us to stay inside or uh, we'll spread it, a deadly virus. In the most ominous tones you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I thought, because I, I know, I, not knowing the character of, or, or the characters in, in, in it, I believe he, he does become a, a bad guy. I mean, he already is not that nice, but he becomes a he villain. He has bad methods, yes, and does bad things. But well, I, I just question dressing Mark Strong up so he looks like the devil. I, I, I'm sure. I'm obviously that's what he looks like in the comics. But I just it thought, is. It's, yeah, it was a true depiction in the comics. They did they uh, to what they do in the comics. Um, Sinestro is one of my favourite comic characters. I think he's brilliant. He's always entertaining. He's got some great lines. He's supremely confident, and that always comes across in what the way he acts. 
I really enjoyed Mark Strong as Sinestro. I do think, though, I would have liked a bit more of him. And spoilers, if you've not seen Green Lantern and you are going to go and see it, close your ears for the next 30 seconds. One of the things that makes me really disappointed is the mid-credit sequence, uh, scene. You get to see Sinestro put on the yellow power ring and you see him become uh, a yellow, his yellow lantern form, which is in the comics is how he is now in terms of being when he goes full-blown master of fear. And I would have loved to have seen Mark Strong do that in a sequel. And so it was that tease of, oh, we're going to get Green Lantern 2, we're going to get this. And then it just flopped and we didn't get it. <laughs> so that does hurt me. But uh, So my, my last point was that, and this I think this is a point that most people would, would have about it. And, and this, again, is, was probably unavoidable inav- from the character but um it's still what the film is it's it's the intangible nature of his powers in what manner what are you thinking well um his powers are basically whatever he can imagine and if he's got the will to construct it yeah it's a lot of superheroes are better certainly in film form when you've got a good set of rules yeah yeah, and certainly with with one you got Superman, who's f- far too powerful, mm-hmm. and pretty much every everything Superman's ever in is all about <laughs> the writers trying to get around the fact that he's super powerful. And and in this, it's similar. You, he can basically do anything that they really want him to do. It's it's a little bit too loose. It's not got I- enough rules. Yeah, I, I think that they they're a bit of a victim to uh, it only having one film. I think it, it clips their clip their wings slightly. They they introduce the fact that he can construct things which with through the power of will, which is the powers from the comics. There are he to do that. He's got to overcome fear. He's got to. But there are things that can oppose that. There are other the other people's powers that will can overwhelm him and. I think given this is it's it's pretty typical I think from an origin film perspective that you get to see the superhero look really impressive and then in the second film you have to have something which does clip their wings like that actually clips their wings and makes it so that it's a bit more insurmountable and I think the fact in this film we didn't get a chance to see that they sort of try to cram too much in for one film to okay well we've got to give him the ring we've got to establish he's got powers oh and we've got this fear creature coming towards you this incarnation of fear that he's got to deal with and they didn't have time to sort of give you that nuance of really explaining where the limits come because yeah it's the limits of how far his will is uh, how strong his will is and one thing that you you didn't get you don't get to see because they don't they don't show they don't show enough of variations of green lanterns really and what how they operate but if they were to stick to the comics they would show that different green lanterns have got different strengths in terms of the constructs they create um, some of them will make structures which are really, really intricate and really strong. Others can make more likely to make weapons. Others are more artistic. And we didn't really get to see a comparison. It did just come across like, well, now I want a race car. Now I want a Gatling gun. Now I want... Uh, and yeah, it would have been quite good to see, well, that's how Hal thinks. That's what Hal can construct. But what can Sinistro construct? What could... Uh, Guy Gardner, if they were to bring him in, and uh, another Green Lantern, if they were to bring him in, what sort of powers would you get with him? 
what sort of strengths. I think it's one of those I would have loved to have seen a sequel, especially with the tease of Sinestro, but wasn't to be, and it's certainly not going to be now with in, in this form. If we see Green Lantern in the cinema again, and they've, they teased it in Justice League, if we see another one, it's going to be a very different film with very different characters. Luckily, Green Lantern, they could, if they wanted to, acknowledge it, if they wanted to, and I don't know if they would, and go with a different Lantern. They don't have to go with Hal Jordan. Quite easily go with one of the others, but we'll see. Can I um, just say, I've got a, a, a theory on this one. I think Green Lantern came out the wrong at the wrong time. Mm. Um, it was it was released in two thousand and eleven, at which point a lot of the more over well, more ridiculously over the top superhero films were being replaced by or had been replaced by hard hitting films like the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, yeah, and we were knee deep in them, weren't we? You had no name recognition mm. in terms of um, who Green Lantern was. I mean, people know who Batman is. People know who Superman is. Green Lantern yeah. is one of the lesser known heroes. Definitely. And you could say exactly the same thing about Iron Man, which came out in back, I think, 2008. But the fact was that was done for 60 million less. Mm. So it needed far less to, to, to break even. And even when all was said and done, Green Lantern did make two hundred million, or two. You know, but that was kind of over just just over its budget mm. because of the CGI nature of of what they were doing. I, yeah, it I was, was always going to have gonna, a high feature. I was going to make the point, and I agree with you, Keith. Cause, and then I was going to make the point that if it was made a few years later, and if uh, you had the same film, but Samuel L. Jackson popped up at the end and recruited him. Yeah. And in an, in this imaginary world, he was part of the MCU. I don't think any of us or anybody else would have a, any problem with the film at all. No, I'm, I'm with you. A, it, it, it was only a month later that Thor came out. Yeah. No, I think I think you've made a very very valid point there, Lawrence. It's uh, we we talked last time about or time before about Ant Man and your criticisms about him, and I would say Green Lantern is a far more palatable hero in terms of superheroes than the guy who can control ants with his brain. Um, for people to get their heads round, given the right reception and the right group to join, because I, I think you put him next to Superman, you're suddenly not going to you're not going to think he's the most overpowered character in the world. He would be toned down from that. He's not as fast as the Flash. He's not as tough as Wonder Woman. It's you'd you seek where he feel, falls in the power levels, and that might have been what we needed. And yeah, unfortunately, they gave it to us at the wrong time. I also think there's there's an issue with some superhero movies, and I think this is one of them, where it's not a superhero film. It's it's a sci-fi film. Yeah, mm. agreed. And that's how you got yeah. to approach it. It's funny you say that. Actually, I have a. Uh, I'm a big comic book fan and a big superhero fan. I normally really don't like sci-fi comics. I'm not fussed on them at all. I've never had an interest. I like the grounded, earth-based and dealing with that way, that as a location. I love the Green Lantern comics. They've just got something about them being being very sort of sci-fi based. And I don't know why, but they are incredibly palatable to me. And maybe... Again, it just it, it's how you deliver it and how you frame it. 
maybe that was a bit a thing for other people. Maybe they just thought, well, I don't want to see that. That's not what we consider a, a superhero. That, that, as you say, is sci-fi. And given the right chance and being part of a wider universe, it could have made it a lot more palatable. If the Green Lanterns had been something akin to closer to Guardians of the Galaxy type setup where you got several guardians involved and you got to interact with them and they were seeing crazy creatures in the same way the guardians would that might have saved it i don't know the dcu was never going to give you a great film though the way that's been handled well i mean it's a good thing that the dcu have um learned from their mistakes and clearly on having <laughs> on all clusters yeah now. yeah what is happening with the DCU? Is it is it still a thing? I'm really confused by that. People seem to talk about the fact that it's 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 died a death, but then you've still got Wonder Woman. You've you've had Aquaman and they're getting a sequel. So surely that means the DCU is still a thing, right? But the new Batman movie doesn't look like it's part of it. It looks like it's a an earlier like origin tale. It's a bit like or an early years tale. It's a bit like the Sony movies they're making at the moment with with loads of um, Spider Man characters yeah and you've got the M- you got the mcu making making having spider-man in it and making all these amazing films all linked together and sony are still scrabbling around trying to get the scraps to make some movies just to try and make some money out of it because they have they have their opportunity to make some money so they're, they're trying their best and it just seems a bit odd when uh, marvel are making all these amazing films yeah, it it is. It's it's weird that we're getting multiple like studios trying to do the same thing. Effectively, I, I know it's all ownership and and who owns what, and they've got Spider Man on loan from Sony now. And but it's like, surely put your heads together and just agree and make work together on this. It will make a better product. You will make loads more money as well, rather than throwing just caution to the wind and creating weird versions of the characters like you did with Amazing Spider-Man 2 and where it's like well we're loosely going to go off Spider-Man but we're going to go in a crazy direction and build to a Sinister Six movie that we're never going to get yeah, it's just yeah make my I, head hurt I mean I do I do agree with Lawrence though that as a concept for a film mm. the Green Lantern is an incredibly hard thing to do well that's not to say they didn't yeah. do their best but it is, no, it, it, it is. is a hard is a hard concept. The idea that your emotion powers the ring, and that that is assigned a color. Would it have been a better series with the now the current things? Where probably the, these the days, the way yeah. the TV industry is these days, it probably would. Yeah, because you could you could spend some time on it. You could focus on little bits, actually build up the uh, focus on character and build up baddies over time, and introduce them that way. Maybe that's maybe that's the direction they should go in. There you go. I think you should write them a strongly worded letter, Chris. <laughs> Strong, well, use all my will to suggest that they do that. <laughs> well, they are bringing they are bringing Green Lantern into the Arrowverse, so it is going to TV. So we'll see how it's done. Oh, I hope it's done well. I don't have hundred percent faith in the Arrowverse, but anyway, enough <laughs> of my melancholy. Moving on, if we shall go now to. Uh, to Lawrence, I believe mm-hmm. you have a, a somewhat controversial opinion, Lawrence. I, I I wouldn't call it controversial, and it's not as controversial, <laughs> it's not controversial to you as it would have been a year ago. <laughs> That's true, but I've <laughs> held, held this opinion, as you well know, for well Keith does anyway for a long time. I I I I, I 
I'll just say it. I think Game of Thrones is rubbish. Strong words. Can I clarify what you mean by Game of Thrones? Do you mean <laughs> the whole book series or do you mean the TV show? I mean the TV show. And I suppose, technically speaking, I mean the first series of the TV show because I ain't watched anything else. <laughs> series one of Game of Thrones is rubbish, is your statement. Yeah. And my, my point would be, why would you watch anything more if you thought the first series was rubbish? I mean, I, no, I, yeah, stick to your guns. <laughs> I really hate these. Um, I really hate it when people come up to you and you're talking to them about TV shows, and they go, "Oh yeah, you should watch this this TV show." And you go, "Oh yeah, is it good?" Well, yeah. I mean, it it takes three or four series to 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 get going, but then it's really good. And that's, I feel that. That's in in America. That's twenty four episodes a series. I haven't got that kind of time. I feel that it's the same with video games. You get people go, yeah, but you've got to be playing for like 40 hours. It really gets good. It's like, I'm not wasting 40 hours to get there. If I'm not enjoying it, that game is getting chucked out. But yeah. So what was it you didn't like then, Lawrence? So let's let's go back to the beginning because I didn't have the relevant TV uh, channel. So I, I was a little behind the times anyway in watching it. And um, obviously everyone was uh, was was loving it. And I hadn't seen it, so I, I looked into it a bit and found out what it was, and it, it seemed very much up my street. And I'll, I'll explain that by uh, breaking it down slightly, because it, it seemed to me that it was a combination of various things, and those things, roughly speaking, would be was it's a combination of Lord of the Rings, which I really love, it's zombie movies, which I really love historical dramas, which I really love, and hardcore pornography, <laughs> which I really love. <laughs> so I say we all. I, I, obviously, I obviously went into it thinking I'm going to love this because I love all its component parts. And which bits didn't deliver that, Lawrence? Well, it turned out that I, I really disliked it. And it may be because... I, I just didn't like all of those things together. Now, I I mean, I watched the series, the first series, and um, I wasn't like, I didn't dislike it particularly, but it w- wasn't until the end. And I thought, I've actually got no inclination to watch the next series. And that's what made me start thinking about it more and more and how much I didn't actually like it. I mean, it, the fact that there's so many things in it, I mean, they basically threw every kind of fantasy element at at the screen and just hoped for the best. You know, there, there was dragons, zombies. There's like everything going on there. I think it was a bit busy, and I, I prefer things to a bit be a bit more focused on what they're actually about. Now, I thought uh, for me. The acting, apart from Sean Bean and apart from Peter Dinklage, the acting is appalling in it. It's absolutely appalling. It's it was like it was like the PG Tips adverts where they they put uh, peanut butter in the tops of monkeys' mouths to make their mouths move. It was very much like that. They're appalling actors. It's like. It was like a cheap American soap opera set in, set in Middle Earth, you know. They really weren't good actors. 
the dialogue was appalling, so that might have been part of it. Or it might have been all of it. It's hard to tell. But the, the dialogue was atrocious. The characters were all unlikable. And you really had nowhere to go with any of the characters in, in the sense of sort of getting on board with them, apart from Sean Bean, and then he chopped his head off. So, spoiler it's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in case you haven't seen the first series of Game of Thrones. And it's Sean Bean, so that should have been a clue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert, Sean Bean dies. So it it's just... It it didn't. Maybe I was judging it on on all the the good things I was hearing about it, and then it didn't live up to it. But it, it just frankly was not a, a well made piece of TV. Is that the problem? It was so built up for you from about other people gushing about it because they were when that series came out. There were people who were. It, it was the Breaking Bad of its time of. You've got to watch this. You've really got to watch this. It's brilliant. Like me and Tiger King. But I did it just not live up to your expectations? And were you, were you almost in many ways setting yourself up to not like it because of so many people saying they loved it? Well, was that, was that a thing? I think that's inevitable. That's part of it. But mm. I will say that the sheer fact that I didn't particularly dislike it until I had that sort of moment after having seen the first series that I didn't want to watch anymore. And then I, I de- started to develop a, my thoughts on why I disliked it so much. And I don't know, it, it's hard to tell, but when you can just sit back and think of the reasons why it's it's so bad, then you think, okay, it must have not, not been good. Keith? It's safe to say that you are the biggest Game of Thrones fan amongst us. You write your own fanfic. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I want. I'll put my hand up and say I really like Game of Thrones. For me, the TV series only let me down with the last series. I wasn't particularly enamoured with it. It was okay, and that, that for me, it's disappointing that it finished with okay when it, for me, had been so good up till then. And so I, I disagree with it about uh, with Lawrence's view about it being the the first the first series being poor. My one of my big reasons I disagree with him. I think the acting is actually pretty good <laughs> in Game of Thrones. I think it's very well put together uh, as well. But without doubt, Keith, you are the biggest Game of Thrones fan. I wonder what your view is on on uh, Lawrence's thoughts on the first series. Well, he's tripping clearly. <laughs> No, some of his criticisms are completely valid. Uh, the first season was very much trying to find its its feet. It does depart from the books in in a lot of ways. The writer George R. R. Martin is clearly trying to create a more political medieval sort of stroke fantasy series. The zombies do not have as big a prevalence in the TV um, in the books as they do in the TV series so far I should I should stress and the the politics is far more brought to the to the fore but of course you have 10 episodes to get through a lot of dynastic politics and everything in and it's a huge book the first book and they have to make cuts I don't necessarily agree with the dialogue because in the first season in particular a lot of the dialogue is taken directly from the book 
that's I mean, and you can see if you know if you want to see how bad it got, then season seven and eight shows what happens when they don't have a net of the books to <laughs> rely on. But no, some of it's right. I mean, a lot of the actors, hey, Keith, they just discovered fast travel. That's that's all they do. That's that's yeah. I mean, everyone can get across a continent at the speed of light if you've got some sort of jetpack. Yeah, so it's valid. The you know some of the acting is is a bit poor. Amelia Clark in particular is is an awful actress, and Ooh, I think that's, that's hard. Uh, no, I think that's been borne out since Game of Thrones and in her side projects that she tried to do while Game of Thrones was still on and leverage her her celebrity into you know other roles. Um, I don't think she's bad i think I'm, I'm not a big fan to be honest of daenerys as a character generally and that goes with the books as well she doesn't appeal to me particularly but yeah she she was okay she, i think she took a while to find her feet but i think she, she yeah. gets stronger yeah i mean she does the best she can with what with what she's given but i think that you know i mean some of it's right i mean rob stark is particularly wooden but then the character is <laughs> yeah, you don't have much. Wait, I'm just saying. I I don't know if that's an acting complaint or a writing complaint. You could argue it's both. <laughs> it, he kind of has has to be though, doesn't it? Without a boy, with, with without giving a major spoiler with the Game of Thrones, his character needs to be quite straight laced and straight, and expect things to be done properly, and not mm. he can't be too out there. Really, I like the idea of um of a writer who who's trying to get his his books made into films. So t- to make it easier for the filmmakers, he like writes his characters like so-and-so said that in, in, in a strange way, like he was being portrayed by a really bad actor. <laughs> you just say, well, it's in the book that he speaks like a bad actor. So that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's why we hired such a cheap actor. More that the character is the, the way the character is depicted, not the way the character speaks. It's a, not intoned in a way. Also, the fact that the the books are written from a POV perspective, so you have someone's point, uh, you have their innermost thoughts about what's going on around them, which clearly, yeah, as as writers, they don't have in the tv series you have to see it and unfortunately a lot of the actors they cast were newbies i mean sophie turner as sansa stark she she's another one she can't act <laughs> she's just she, she can't act they they made the wrong choice she does the best Again, with what she's I'm, got she gets better <laughs> i feel like i'm an apologist here for the for the acting quality of game of thrones uh, i think they I, picked she gets they, better. a lot of the uh as well as the newbies, a lot of the older actors are quite TV journeyman type actors. Uh, I thought if you were British and could walk upright, you had a good chance of getting in Game of Thrones. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That's like saying you know that you had a, if you were British and you know could act in some description, you had a role in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But I think they had a bigger budget on Harry Potter. The first I, season I, isn't isn't the strongest, but it is a good avenue into the world. It's really awkward because Lawrence sort of has said, made a very valid point of, it is really annoying when people say it gets better if you stick with it. 
and because it, it yeah you shouldn't have to stick with you should be able to latch on with a whole with with 10 episodes 10 episodes of series one right with that amount of time you should be able to latch on and you should be hooked if they can't get your hooks into in 10 episodes something's gone wrong and clearly they didn't it didn't work for lawrence it is a shame because i do think this is a series that does ramp up and finds its feet but if yeah i if if you can't get on board in 10 episodes then yeah they, they've clearly for, for lawrence they've done something wrong so, I mean, what, what we, we could do as an experiment now, I've because I've got the first two series on DVD somewhere, and if the wife hasn't put it on eBay yet, because um, it was on it was in the eBay pile, and I'll find out if we've still got it as an experiment for this podcast. I might try and watch the second series and see what happens, and I'll report back. I would like if if you have got it and you're happy to do that, I would like to know what you thought. Because I do think that you, you get to see... Well, you'll have new characters introduced anyway. And you get new locations and new themes. And certainly the fallout from Series 1 is very well done. Because, as as you have seen, a massive thing happens at the end of Series 1, which just changed the landscape somewhat. Oh, you just reminded me, of course, what, what Keith and I were talking about, the acting. Lena Headey is one of the worst actresses I've ever seen. <laughs> I thought I'd just add that in there. She's the blows just keep coming. She's the best actress that three hundred has. <laughs> and your point. I like Lena Headley. <laughs> right, so I will. Uh, I'll see if I can find it, and uh, if I can, I'll um, I'll watch series two and report back. Please do. I would. I would like to know where where you were. Uh... Uh, where this it takes you and see whether it, it changes any views whether it makes you want to watch the rest it's certainly for me it was a fun journey going through those series yes uh, I mean, for me they, they didn't yeah personally if you know it's a shame that Lawrence doesn't have it but i i would say that going through season three would have been quite interesting yes I don't want to do that whole stick with it and go for another series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can only drag him along for so long. The, we're going to walk straight into the cliche that we were pouring just 10 minutes ago. <laughs> just give it one more season, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. It gets better, we promise. And then it goes off a cliff. Because <laughs> as bad as you think season one was, Lawrence, I guarantee you season eight. Ooh. We're not selling it to him if we start talking about well, season eight. I've seen a few bits of season eight from, from when um, when it was reviewed on Gogglebox. Oh, right. So, I mean, I, I've seen like a couple of the last scenes of the series. Uh, so you've had you've had some major things spoiled for you, probably. I, I, I guess so, but I probably wasn't paying attention that much, and okay. I didn't really care at all. So, because <laughs> that's that that is one good thing for us about the the way the series did develop in that. By when it came to the final season, none of us knew what was going to happen exactly. We had speculated on it, but because the books hadn't taken us that far, we didn't know. So there was that whole collective, oh, how's this going to happen? Ooh, who's going to end up on this? Who's going to do this? So it was fun in that respect. Just whether you thought they stuck the landing is another thing. They're making a uh, prequel, are they not? It keeps getting cancelled. Oh, does it? Hmm. <laughs> Is it in uh, pre-production hell? Indeed. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm sure um, when the will, there's a way and money to be made. I think Netflix were a bit disappointed because um, Amazon have just bought the Game of Thrones prequel rights. 
but they're uh, making a massively expensive series. So I you, imagine... mean, you mean Lord of the Rings? Sorry, yes, Lord of the Rings. I do beg your pardon. Lord of the Rings, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And Amazon are making Lord of the Rings prequel. Yeah. Yep. Jesus. But it's a massive budget. Mm, I'm sure it does. So speaking yeah, of, speaking of Amazon and massive budgets, I've just got around to watching the, the end of the first series of Picard. Mm. Um, have you seen it all, Keith? I have. What did you reckon? I thought there were bits in the... Uh, I know exactly which ones they were, but there were bits of the last episode I really loved, but the majority of the series was absolute dross. There were a couple of good bits in it, and it was a complete mess. Yeah, I thought I'd agree. It was a total and utter disastrous mess. I can't comment on this. I can't defend anything. I've not seen it. I'd like to think, Chris, you wouldn't defend it. <laughs> I'll defend many things, though, Keith. You know that. I mean, it's one of those things, Chris, where you're watching it and you, you, you're just thinking none of this is making sense. I don't, you know, when you, events are occurring, when you're watching something, you have to know why they're occurring. Yeah, it does help. And and when you're sitting there going, I've absolutely no idea why this has just happened or why this character wants to do this or why this character is doing that. They just, the writers just hadn't thought of anything. They just, they thought of a load of scenes and threw them all together and, and utter, utter mess. Real shame. And they keep swearing. Do they? Yeah. They keep swearing and they keep shagging each other. <laughs> and it's it's really irritating because this is Star Trek. And this is a man who said that he likes hardcore porn. <laughs> yeah, and so do I. I'm fully on board. But you don't put it in Star Trek. No. Unless Captain Kirk's pe- involved. In which case... <laughs> That's a peculiar fetish that I'm sure a lot of people do have, actually, and each to their own. Hmm. Hello, this is Chris. We've made the decision to split this week's episode into two parts due to the length of the recording. Join us next week for Keith attempting to defend Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace and for a discussion on the merits of The Rise of Skywalker. Thank you for joining us. You can find Lawrence at at Lawrence underscore Tuck, myself at at Critic Guy Chris, and Keith somewhere in the Dark Ages. Stay safe, and thank you for listening.